Hey, welcome back to the Man Podcast. Joe Roder here from Red's Fly Shop, coming at you from literally Riverside. I'm about four feet from the Yakima River right now, which happens to be running really high at the moment. So that means, like when I say high, I mean like I think the river's getting closer to me as I speak here. Uh, it's <laughs> mega blown out. But that's not going to stop me from uh, sharing some knowledge with y'all. Um, got a chance to do quite a bit of fishing over the last few weeks. And today, I want to chat with you about European nymphing tackle and setup. Now, uh, as many of the listeners of the podcast and, and check out my YouTube channel and blog, and uh, I can't emphasize enough to watch us on our social media channels, uh, just Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Red's Fly Shop. That's uh, a fun way to just keep up on what we're doing. We promise not to annoy you with a bunch of stupid retweets and that kind of stuff. Uh, but for those of you that follow kind of what we do at Red's, uh, I've been trying to figure this European nymphing thing out uh, over the last year and a half or so, and I'm getting, uh, yeah, I'm getting better at it. So a little background. Uh, where I fish, my guiding uh, is almost exclusively rowing boats. Uh, the Yakima River that runs right in front of our shop. It's a blue ribbon trout stream, but it's big. It's a big, swift sucker. Uh, we row it in boats. We row hard. Uh, we deal with a lot of high flows during the summertime where we're out in the boats casting big terrestrials and hoppers and stuff up against the cut banks. And, hey, that's great for you know boat owners, boat rowers, guided guests, guides, and all that. But I really wanted to figure out how I could help do-it-yourself wade fishermen have more success on foot because on the Yakima as guides I mean we really rely on you know rowing our boats rowing hard and covering a lot of water and, and through covering a lot of water we're going to get our anglers into into success but it doesn't really help the dude who's you know trucking up and down the the highway here wants to do some wading and uh get into a few pockets and pick some stuff apart on foot um the way our river's set up is a lot like a lot of other western streams, whereas you could fish a, a bu- small bucket or a pocket, and uh, it might be, the way, the way the river is laid out, it might be quite a ways to the next fishy spot. So it's not, it's not like a small stream where you can just kind of get in it, fish a little bucket or hole, and then walk to the next one and walk to the next one. Just the way the river's set up, it can be kind of tough to, to move on foot from spot to spot. And so, like, when I wade fish with the strike indicators, whatever strategy, I'll wade fish a spot, and then I, a lot of times I end up getting in my car and moving to another spot and fishing that one because what happens is I get in there, and if I'm using an indicator and, and a stonefly dam for a streamer or a dry fly, inevitably, whatever fish are in that spot, I'm going to catch them typically on the first handful of casts. And sure, you know, if I'm using smaller flies or I'm very stealthy, I can pick on them a little bit longer. But I really wanted to find a strategy that, you know, I could teach to anglers here so they could get into one of those buckets that we have on the Yakima here. We've got some beautiful pocket water with a lot of big boulders and such. And in fact, moving around a little bit within the river can be kind of a challenge in the Yakima because it does run very swift and, uh, and, and the boulders can be kind of hard to walk through so anyway, long and the short of it is I really want to learn how to European-style nymph so I can teach it to anglers in our area so they can have more success without the aid of a guide. That's the, the bottom line is we want to see more people catching more fish without guides out here 
because we think we're going to get them in the shop more. They're going to just have more success, enjoy fly fishing more. We're going to see more of them, and, and eventually they're going to do more guide trips, etc. So, oh, maybe it's a selfish motivation. But uh, anyway, I'm learning how to do it, and it, it's pretty cool. Uh, so I'm just going to go through tackle today. Uh, there's a lot of stuff out there on this discipline. Um, number one piece of advice I can give somebody is I've been kind of getting my legs under me. Uh, is get the, uh, I believe it's called Modern Nymphing. Uh, anyway, it's by Devin Olson. We sell it at Reds. Uh, just search for Nymph Fishing DVDs on our website. I've watched the whole thing a couple of times. Best DVD out there. I, I can't compete with the video production that he does on just the techniques and, and the little fishy stuff that Devin does. Uh, he and Lance Egan on that video are fantastic. So buy that DVD. Uh, we sell that at Reds on the online store. Uh, next thing I want to talk about is just basic setup because that's where I was kind of going wrong a lot. Uh, you know, I've been dabbling with this, you know, basically back up for a second. Uh, I've been battling with this style fishing, which is basically no flotation style indicator. We use a, an indicator that's called the cider, uh, which is, you know, as in sight and what you could see that's a bright colored piece of it could either be monofilament or a braid of some sort. I'll get into that here in a minute. But basically, we're nymph fishing with no strike indicator. We're doing it at very close range so that we can get the most natural drift possible on our nymphs. So we want to get perfect drifts. It's a, it was born out of competition. It's the most effective way to catch fish in a small to mid-sized stream most of the time. I, I, you're not going to say all the time because there's a lot of times dries are more effective or streamers more effective but overall you want to catch some fish european style nymphing if you can get good at it is the the way to go so i got into this and i had my equipment uh kind of all wrong and as i've been learning how to do this i've gone back and got a better understanding of equipment so i want to take you through that today is just a basic layout for the equipment that you, you kind of should have versus what you have to have versus what you will have when you're proficient at it. I think just jumping into something like this and feeling like you got to go spend $1,000 just to get started is a pretty ludicrous concept. So I'm going to try to make this simple for you and at least explain why you might need some of this, uh, give you some, some confidence to, to you know, invest uh, in the right stuff. So We'll start with rods. I've got a couple of rods sitting here in front of me. Uh, I've got a, uh, an Echo Shadow 2 in a 10-foot 2 weight, and I've got a Reddington Hydrogen 11-foot 3 weight. Uh, I'm currently fishing most of the time uh, a Sage uh, ESN rod, a 10-foot 4 weight. And uh, jokingly, I got it in case I, you know, came, it came to the realization, which I was certain I would, that European nymphing just absolutely sucks. And I want a good indicator rod, uh, which is still a damn good indicator rod. But uh, I don't think I've had an indicator on it since I got it, to be honest with you. Uh, the mistake I made there is uh, on big water. And I would say big water would say as wide as an interstate. You know, anything 2,000 CFS uh, on up, uh, that would be considered big water. Even 1,000, 1,500 CFS on up is pretty big water. But on bigger water, a lot of times you need longer drifts to fool the fish. Um, Sometimes in that more open water, those more open pools, you can't get very close to the fish uh, like you might be able to if you're stealthier on small water or a creek. 
so the 11 foot rod uh, would would have been a much better choice, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna end up with a variety of these dang Euro rods. I just know I am. Uh, the next one I'm gonna jump into is gonna be the 11 foot three weight hydrogen, which is why I have that one sitting here today. The main thing is to understand. I was trying to do a lot of this with a nine foot rod over the years, and a nine foot rod could be effective Euro uh, style fishing in a couple of scenarios. Uh, number one, you're an expert. Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure uh, any of the, the real capable competition anglers would do just great with a nine footer. I wasn't, uh, I could not achieve, and I still can't achieve a very good drift at much more than about 15 feet. Uh, even 10 to 15 feet with a nine foot rod. It just makes that big of a difference, that extra reach to get those nymphs uh, presenting correctly. So I was, I was trying it with a nine foot rod and I get frustrated and I thought, oh, I don't need this, uh, you know, because it wasn't effective. I switched to a 10 foot rod and was immediately more effective. A big difference. An 11 foot rod, which I haven't even thrown this 11 foot rod yet, I'm about to. Uh, the 11 foot rod, is again that much more effective. I fooled around a little bit with one of my switch rods trying to Euro style fish, and that was just a goddamn disaster. But uh, so I know I know how the 11 foot rod reach works and how it's going to be able to help me achieve drift. So pretty stoked about about that rod. Um, the other rod I got sitting in front of me is a, is a 10 foot uh, two weight. It's an Echo Shadow two, and uh, this rod here I'm going to be using on really small water. Uh, I really want the lightest possible touch I can get uh, so that I can have good feel when those nymphs are, are bouncing near the bottom. And uh, also, what's really cool about Euro-style fishing is that you actually get to feel a lot of the strikes, uh, and especially early in the drift when you're pulling the nymphs physically downstream toward the fish and the fish meets it uh, is pretty exciting. So made a big mistake getting into this, getting the wrong rod. So I've got longer rods now. Uh, fishing 10 to 11 foot rods, 11 foot on the big water, 10 foot on the, the mid-sized water. The other mistake I was making uh, was I was not getting close enough to the fish. I, even still, I'd say I'm a pretty competent to angler. This is, you know, a new discipline for me, but uh, just simply stepping up close to the fish, being stealthy when I need to, using quiet feet, but really just understanding that this fishing is going to take place at point blank range. So using the, you know, staying in the shadows when I can, standing behind trees or at least with a brushy background when I can, uh, trying to target areas where the seam lines are closer to me and uh, staying in more, uh, I'd say not turbulent from a, a dirty or colored water standpoint, but just turbulent from uh, you know, an activity standpoint, turbid water, uh, definitely or moving water with chop like pocket water white water definitely allows you to stock a lot closer to those fish so i screwed up on that now i'm i'm fishing at very reasonable distances uh screwed up on the rod selection of trying it with a nine foot rod and then ruling it out oh this isn't for me uh whereas there's guys all over the darn world uh competing specifically competing using this one strategy so the proof's in the pudding there. Uh, the other mistake that I made uh, was just not understanding the leader setup. So I'm going to take you through what has been successful for me with leaders and uh, what most guys are doing. Uh, there's lots of information out there on this, but I think I'm a pretty good filter because I'm kind of 
like I said, I'm trying to figure out the most practical approach so that I can get folks like you that are listening uh, catching a bunch of fish in a hurry. So when it comes to the leader setup, you can buy pre-built leaders, and there's lots of different opinions on formula and such. Uh, I tried fishing with just long, you know, regular tapered leaders and just watching that clear monofilament and watching it to detect strikes and track my drift and the behavior of my flies and et cetera. Big mistake. You got to use a, a true Euro nymphing leader system. You just, you absolutely have to. Like I said, unless you're an expert uh, or you just want to get lucky once in a while. Uh, but set your leader up. Um, how you see fit, but I'm going to tell you my formula and uh, what has uh, has worked for me. So what I figured what I figured out was if I'm fishing at very close range, which I like, I just I try to sneak up on the fish, fish them at very close range, and just get the absolute perfect drift by getting close. When I'm fishing close range, uh, my leader or my excuse me, my fly line is not really part of the equation. Okay. So my fly line is not really getting in play. It's just hanging out back there on my reel, uh, or it should be hanging out back there on my reel so that it doesn't interfere with any line stripping that I do. So what I found was when I started with like 10 or 12 foot leaders was that uh, the connection between my fly line and my leader was continually hanging up in my guides and wouldn't allow me to either strip in line if I needed to take a little strip of line in or let a little bit of line out. So I figured that out, that, that nail knot connection or loop to loop or whatever the, the heck you got on there. I just said, what the hell? I'm going to run like 20 feet of just straight butt section. So I'll take 30 pound maxima, 20 to 30 pound, you know, get both and see what you like better. Uh, I run 30 pound maxima. I run about 20 feet of that. So my fly line's not even in play for me on fishing this. Now, I don't know what all the regulations are regarding competition. You can leave it in the comments if you want to share with the, the rest of folks. But I believe there to be some leader length uh, you know, restrictions there. So me, I'm not competitive fisherman or anything like that. So I just go 20 feet to 30 pound maximum. What that does now, I don't have any knots sliding in and out the eyelets uh, or the guides on my rod, which is super handy. Uh, so there's no hang-ups. It's a really smooth system. Now, from that 30-pound maxima, I'll run that all the way down to what's called a cider. Now, the cider is going to be a bright, for me, what I found, and Curtis at, at the fly shop here at Red's, is, he's, he's a better Euro nymph fisherman than me. Uh, I, I think Curtis sometimes doesn't explain it quite as well as I do. I try to dumb it down for everybody because I'm kind of dumb. Uh, but that cider, what, what he got me doing early on was just using like a chartreuse, a 20-pound chartreuse piece of backing. And so I, it's really bright. I like that it gets wet and kind of holds a little bit of water and kind of anchors and stabilizes my drift. But that cider is going to be about, it doesn't really matter exactly how long it is. Mine's about 16 inches of chartreuse. And then I'll run about six inches of fluorescent orange. So it'll be a two-tone piece of bright colored line that's built into my leader. And that becomes, think of it like an indicator that's variable depth and has no drag in the current. So it doesn't negatively impact your drift at all. Yet you can see it. And I can vary the depth by about 20 inches. So I can dip it down deep if I need to to go down and get a little deep part of the bucket or the drift that I'm fishing, 
or I can hold it shallow so I could actually do it a lot much greater range than 20 inches because I don't actually have to have my cider in the water to effectively fish. So that cider is a bright colored piece of line. I make mine out of backing. Uh, it's not too tough to do. Uh, I attach uh, the backing on the upper end with like a double uni knot or a double nail knot. I attach the chartreuse piece to the 30 pound. So then at the bottom of the chartreuse, I just need to bind it to that orange. I could do a double uni or a double nail or even a blood knot. And then you can leave the little ears that come out of your blood knot or your, your knot there. You can leave those maybe a sixteenth of an inch long just so there's a little tuft or a little fur. And sometimes that makes it a little bit easier to detect strikes just so that you have a teeny bit of visibility where that those two colors are spliced together. So then below the, the six inches of the, the, the fluorescent orange backing, I tie on a Rio tippet ring. And the tippet ring is key because you want things to have a nice clean junction there. And Curtis does his a little bit different, and I'm sure other people do them a little bit different. He actually knots his in. Uh, I don't like to do that. I like to be able to retie tippet just really quick and clean to that tippet ring. And that tippet ring provides just a teeny bit of weight. I think it's nice to have a little bit of ballast right there at the end of the, the cider. So I get my tippet ring on there, and we sell the tippet rings at Reds. You can you can order them there; they're cheap. Uh, and uh, backing, you can order backing, on, you know, online there too. Get yourself some backing. Now, from the tippet ring down, uh, you know, on average, I'm running about four feet. So I want to be able to fish about four feet deep. So I'm going to run about four feet to what's called my anchor fly, and uh, I'm going to use anywhere from 2x to, to 5x fluorocarbon just depending on the fly size for one. Smaller flies require lighter tippet. Bigger flies should require heavier tippet. So I'll run anywhere from say 2 to 5x uh, to my anchor fly. Uh, three being very common for me and that'll be fluorocarbon tippet and I'll run about four feet just as far as a general average. Uh, that can vary anywhere from two feet to six feet depending on how deep of water I believe I'm going to be targeting but Four feet to my anchor fly gives me a pretty good a pretty good advantage. Uh, I can fish in 18 inches of water with that. I can fish in six feet deep of water with that. So a lot of fishable range with one system, whereas an indicator you'd need to be sliding it up and down a lot or having a bad drip. Okay, so I there's some videos on how to do the split yoke, so I won't beat this to death. But four feet to my anchor fly, that's going to be my heavier fly. In, in one video that we have on YouTube, we call it a dangler. And the reason we call it a dangler is we don't want it to be called a dropper, like when we're explaining it to people, because people think about droppers specifically being tied to the gape of another, on the hook of another fly. But it kind of, it looks like it protrudes off the main line, but your anchor fly is going to be tied to the heaviest line. And you're going to splice in a piece of lighter line. It's critical that the line is lighter, that way if you, your second fly, which is, it's very common to fish two flies. You don't have to fish two. Uh, I fish one fly a lot once I determine what they're feeding on. Um, so you can, you, you basically tie in a split yoke system. The shorter, um, and I suggest you go back and watch that. It's called like Euro Nymphing on 30 minutes at our lunch, lunch break or something like that. But just check out the Reds Fly Shop YouTube channel. Uh, in general, and uh, I believe we go through that split yoke on a couple of different videos in there, but it's not it's not too tough to figure out. I use a triple surgeon's knot, and I split that, and I want my heavier fly up a little bit higher and shorter, and I want my longer fly a little bit longer, 
Usually I want my heavier fly, say, and I've changed this a little bit as I've fished more and more with this system, but I like that to be no more than about six inches off the junction, the heavier fly, and then the other one, say, 12 to 16 inches off the main junction. If I'm fishing lighter flies in like really slow, clear water, I'll get a little bit more separation, but keeping those two units of mass closer together helps the whole thing sink a little bit faster. My whole leader length, it's ridiculous, is going to wind up being about 25 feet-ish, uh, you know, 27 feet-ish. And that's specifically just to keep the connection between my fly line and my leader out of play. Uh, like I said, I don't know if that flies in competition. I doubt it does. Uh, so that's my system. Now, regarding lines, this is something I think I can be real helpful here. So a lot of the euro nymphing guys uh that are really into this and i'm sure i'm kind of gravitating that direction but i'm keeping it practical for now they're going to want euro nymphing specific style lines and you can call it euro nymphing czech nymphing uh french nymphing whatever we're just going to call the whole concept euro nymphing and these lines are called euro nymphing uh and i've got a couple in my hand here i got a rio euro nymph line it's called the phipps euro nymph line uh, was developed by uh, Phipps Mooch, uh, competitive angler, and then I've got the Airfloat uh, Euro Nymph line. Now the point here of Euro Nymph lines is if you are exclusively going to use this rod for Euro Nymph fishing, these are great choices. They are super skinny. They're about 0.60 mm, 0.60 millimeters. They are teeny, teeny, tiny. Uh, that allows for if you don't have that long leader system, so that's about the diameter of the maxima that I'm using in my butt section as I look at the line here. So they're very thin, so the wind can't blow on them uh, and blow your drift off. Uh, when fish, when you hook fish and they run across current and you have them on light tippet, there's less fly line being drug around. They're just more concise to handle and, and you have a more direct connection with the fly uh, the, the skinnier the line you have. That's why I said experiment with 20 pound maxima as well if you're going to go with the, the Joe Rotor redneck style uh, Euro nymphing leader. Uh, experiment with 20 pound because the lighter you get, the more control you're going to have over it. Um, and you don't use the fly line in Euro nymph fishing really to make a cast. So here's the catch, guys. So if you're going to use your, your rod for a little bit of everything and you're not necessarily a dyed in the wool euro nymph fisherman quite yet consider just using a three weight line and chances are if you're getting into this kind of fishing you may already have a three weight line just throw a three weight line on there and a crap ton of leader and the line really doesn't come into play anyways then if you decide euro nymphing sucks or you want to go dry fly fishing you could simply put on a regular old trout leader and go do some dry fly fishing with the same rod. These Euro Nymph rods, they're, they're, they're longer, they will cast a dry fly. And I would hate to think about going fishing without at least the opportunity to throw a dry fly when the fish start rising. So that's kind of the difference or the why you would want a Euro Nymph line. You don't have to have a Euro Nymph line to get started. It doesn't make a damn bit of difference. You can just, like I said, you can redneck it up and go with the, the super long leader. Um, that's okay. And then when you get into this, you know, a little while down the road, hell yeah, get a Euro Nymph line. Oh yeah. And then the other thing is on cost. So this may be the, <laughs> you might've just made yourself 45 bucks or 50 bucks. Uh, by listening to this podcast because the Euro Nymph lines are 55 bucks and if you were going to go buy a new fly line specifically for your Euro Nymph outfit get the $55 line instead of the $100 line 
um, if you know you're going to be euro nymphing with it. So they're half the price, basically, um, or just a little over half the price um, the euro nymph lines are. Uh, so then, uh, you know, regarding flies, uh, we sell a ton of different flies at Reds. Uh, I'm going to recommend jig head style hooks and tungsten beads for all your flies. We got a bunch of them. Uh, spend the money on flies uh, that you want tungsten. You have to have tungsten beads. You're going to want jig heads. And the flies we got at Reds, we've used them. We've tested them. We use them under our indicator rigs too, but a lot of them we got specifically for the Euro uh, nymph fishing discipline. Uh, and you can't hardly have too much weight. It just, you got to experiment with that a little bit, but you can have a couple of big stonefly nymphs for your anchor fly, and those don't necessarily have to be jig head style. But I will give you a tip. If you take like a pat stone and you take your thumb and you bend it and arch its back a whole bunch, it'll actually ride a little bit more hook up. So you can kind of you can kind of tweak it and almost make and, and riding hook up, what that does is then the hook doesn't snag the bottom when you're balancing and checking the bottom all the time. I haven't had as much success like in a general day of fishing using stonefly nymphs with my Euro setups because I'm casting over the same fish, you know, a handful of times until I get that smaller fly, you know, just right and they take it. The stonefly nymph tends to, you know, its cover is blown um, essentially after the first couple of drifts. And and for me, I'm I'm not bad. I don't mean to admonish my skill here, uh, but I'm not, you know, a super pro. I think a super pro can take and get the drift right the first time, like I can with a dry fly stream or whatever an indicator. Uh, with the Euro nymph thing, it, sometimes it takes me a drift or two to kind of figure out my strategy. And if I throw that stonefly nymph or that real big, big attractor nymph in there a couple of times, it doesn't look quite right. Our fish are smart. They're not going to take that the third or fourth, fifth time through if it's a big fly. The little fly, eh, they don't seem to, it doesn't really, the cover doesn't get blown as quick. So uh, as far as flies go, look at the Reds website, look for jig head uh, pheasant tails. Jig head CDC pheasant tails, my number one pick. Uh, and we have one called the CDC that stands for canker, dew, concard. Uh, it's a duck feather. Uh, makes a nice soft tackle. But that, that those specific nymphs in various size are fantastic. We've also got some check nymphs from Rainey's uh, Fly Company, which are just spectacular. Super good hooks. Super dense tungsten beads. Really quality uh, quality bugs from that perspective. So uh, hopefully that helps you with the setup. These rods that I was talking about, this Echo Shadow 2, it's $249. Bucks. Uh, the, the hydrogen, I think, is more like $399. It's a little bit more expensive. One thing to consider on that Echo, uh, one, it has a super sweet picture of a stonefly nymph on the real seat, which is awesome. Uh, <laughs> you'll check that out uh, on our website. Uh, they both have a real matte finish. You know, they're kind of dark colored rods. Uh, you know, Euro nymph fishermen, are gonna, you're going to be getting close to the fish. And the Echo Shadow is just blacked out. I think that must be why they call it the Shadow, so that you're you're pretty non you're pretty discreet when you when you put that rod tip over the top of the fish. Uh, you're not throwing like a you know fluorescent you know orange rod over the top of a bright yellow rod. That wouldn't be good. Uh, but the Echo uh, has an optional. They call it a competition kit, and what it can do is it can actually take the rod up to about 11 feet. I think on the on the on the two weight i don't have the competition kit right in front of me but you can see that you know, on the reds website it's the echo competition kit so 
anyway, hopefully that makes sense of some of the tackle uh, that you're using for European fishing, man. It's super effective. I suggest you get into it, experiment with it, and try it, especially if you want to go out and wade fish. Pressured trout on public water, it is an absolutely great way to dupe some of those fish that have seen pretty much every fly in the river. So, uh, again, check us out. I'm going to do a YouTube video of some of this gear. It's going to be really short. I won't be able to get as detailed. Uh, but make sure to follow us on like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that kind of stuff. Uh, watch what we're doing. Stay in touch with us. And subscribe to our newsletter, too, uh, as well. Anyway, that's all for now. Joe at Red's out.